0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Grand Canyon
2: University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose. At Grand Canyon University. Visit
0: gcu.edu.
2: Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. Uh, I have a question for you, man. Yes. If you needed headshots for your profession. Which I don't. Which you don't. You don't. Nobody needs to know what you look like. For someone who I consider such a close friend, I would rather not have a visual of their face. You know, but yeah, you don't have any. But, but is, if, you, if you were one of those people, one of those uh, thespians, who needed headshots, would you go get a headshot? And, and like, and consider you're in New York, okay, so numbers are low. It seems like the person who is doing the shoot has taking precautions. Would you go get these headshots now?
0: Okay, I need a clarifying question. Yeah. I, I do have Google. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can confirm that you already have an ungodly number of headshots. I
2: do, I do. I think that I need to get more especially as I try more and more for film TV those headshots are very generic Nick and that's kind of one of the sucky things about our industry is that like you actually the more that you can suggest like like for me to send in those headshots that I have and be like hey see me for a firefighter or see me for a lawyer when I'm dressed in like generic Henley shirt and vest but I'm also like hey there's a pandemic
0: here is a reality uh that I have gleaned from all the classic actors of Hollywood past. Yeah. And that is, you can't be in a movie if you're dead. Little justice. Little justice. Little justice. Fuck yeah. So Nick, so between the cold open and right now, you've just laid several personal problems on me that we won't include, but we'll acknowledge that they've been there. Um, could it could it be that you're you're alone right now? That that Alex, you're starting your life without your your wife around?
2: It could. It could. <laughs> first of <laughs> all, you just
0: do you just need someone to like vent to. Is this? I'm, I'm here to host a podcast with you. First of all, welcome. To, I'm not your sensei. Welcome you know? to Little Fucking Justice. First of all, <laughs>
2: our our podcast. I'm trying not to swear, Mister Smolo. I'm trying not to swear. Welcome to Little Justice. Yes, Alex. I am alone. <laughs> My wife has left me, and there's several things. You know what you guys missed in the in the in the the cutscene um, between the cold open and now is that I, I as Alex said I did lay several issues at his feet that I'm experiencing,
0: which I'm I'm happy as a friend to I just feel like that's a, a pretty good a pretty good segue even today's great theme. segue um, in today's theme you know and also a mental health check you know how you doing dude it's I will say this like I
2: what I what I will say is like part of. You know, so for those of you who don't know, my wife left for grad school you know, a couple weeks ago. And so I've been alone now two weeks. Not as, I mean, having the cat here is really helpful and like that makes things better. Um, I've been making a point of like going to see friends and, you know, socially distance going to see friends. So like, you know, staying six feet apart, keeping masks on. Um, I've saw, you know, had one or two hangout sessions, but mostly, you know, 90% of the time I'm in this house. It's definitely a little, you know, it's wearing on my mind a little bit. Absolutely. I think, but like, but then I also think about people who have done this for four months now. And I'm like, good Lord, y'all. Like, God bless you, man. Because this it's has been a grind. It's been yeah. real. I,
0: I realize, like, I don't really leave the I go grocery shopping and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's ins- and I've just gotten so used to it at this point. It's, ins- know, it's insane. But that's what pisses me off
2: because that's us. But then you go across the pond. And I, I keep saying this. You go right across the pond and people are like out and living their lives.
0: Well, yeah, because they're handling it properly. They yeah. did their legwork. Oh, my God. We, we've got half the population thinking that masks are some kind of like Illuminati ploy to get people to do, I don't know what, live?
2: Yeah. Hydroxychloroquine and all that bull. Like, yeah.
0: I, I, I'm constantly befuddled by the state of our of our nation and our nation's minds right now like everybody how we get to this point you know no true think everybody lives in this little techno bubble they're just on their phone and, and watching you know the news which is being catered to you know these these kind of i'll call them weak minds yeah. you know i would i would choose my words more carefully but like that's past that point these are these are weak-minded people
2: uh, well i will and here's what i will say i will say that i understand I understand that we have a culture that has propagated this kind of thinking. So I, these are not, it's not like it is blameless, right? These, this is all, this is, you're not just, the, the mountain that you're scaling is a mountain of like people's understanding of what it means to be American that has been right. only buttressed by the past 80 to 100 to, to 400 years of history. So like, I get that, but at a certain point, your individual freedom is, is irrelevant to the communal need. And I'm not well, saying- the messages
0: have gotten yeah, the messages have gotten mixed. You know the the idea of patriotism and being an American has has changed. Like it's not about being an American because no. being an American is you know at is knowing the Constitution and what your constitutional rights are and and seeing injustice when it happens and speaking out again. Like the country's born of violent conflict based on inequality and injustice. Like that's that's what America is. But somehow the message has been skewed to be like if you if you want any change at all you're you're a terrible person and un-American, and, and, and it's and it's
2: it's also I mean it, you know for those people who are you know proud to call themselves nationalists I mean it's it's a it's a perversion of the actual definition of a nationalist which is somebody who you know if you were a nationalist you would be supporting the country's interests right like that's <laughs> that's the irony like you actually aren't an that like if you're doing this you are
0: they're nationalists for for a Confederate nation that doesn't exist anymore exactly, <laughs> that's thing and
2: literally and like and again granted a nation that we did nothing to supplement once we obliterated Right. Do you mean so? Like, there is so much history wrapped up in this. But all that to say, uh it comes down to this whole thing of like, you know, I'm stuck wondering if it's safe for me to go get new headshots, which I potentially need for my career. Like, and that's again, that is a minuscule choice. But like, that is not a choice that should be stressing me out right now. Do you mean
0: every single person has a choice like that? Yeah, or several choices like that almost every day. Every day now. That that. Proliferates out into the universe, and like if everybody is having to make weird little sacrifices like that, and some people aren't, and exacerbating the problem by ignoring it or getting angry about it or being scared of it, um, yeah, we're we're living in very interesting times. Very Very interesting. interesting But
2: but you know what? But we're we're living, and if you're hearing this podcast, that means you're breathing, and you got choices, and you got options. I hope. Listen. I hope you're breathing. I hope you're breathing too, and and I hope, and I and I, I say that sincerely. I hope you are finding time to breathe. Because mm-hmm. that is so important, and uh, you know, and and that it's also so valuable. But in answer to your question, and back to the theme of today, which is, of course, we are talking about movies. Uh, I was, how would you call this? I mean, specifically for me, I would say the movies that keep my sanity in line. When my wife I left a, me. I
0: had an idea for the title. And, <laughs> What's the title? And feel, feel free to reject it, but uh, the title can be: When the wife is away, this movie will play.
2: <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> and it's so funny so look, i have to tell you guys when we originally thought of this or when alex brought this title to me i, I immediately i was like yes but I, then i it took us a second to realize that we had two very different understandings of what very different meant.
0: ideas yeah like
2: there was one really skeezy understanding of it which was
0: like oh yeah what are the movies you watch when your wife's gone gone, like what can we watch now that she would never let us watch
2: and and but my understanding of it was like oh my wife is gone what is is the movie that makes me feel better (laughs) about like which i like a lot more yeah it's a much i just want to make clear that is what we're talking about here we're not talking about the other thing we're not about to go into like, you know This
0: is a yeah, this is a feel good episode, not like a, not like a porn you know, turn off the lights and pour a wine episode. Yeah,
2: like not like a porn feel good, but like an actual feel-good. No, so we'll
0: get we'll get to a porn oh, episode. Oh, we
2: should then. absolutely get to a porn episode. I would love doing a porn episode on this. <laughs> I think I think that would be a great those porn movies, some of them are just hysterical. They're
0: Pretty, pretty blatant.
2: There, pretty blatant. I would, blatant is like is definitely a word for it, you know. But yeah, so so the best movie, you know, when you're when you're at home alone during quarantine, and this this applies to anyone who is experiencing this this lonely time during quarantine. You know, what is that movie that you watch that is either cathartic for you or just makes you, you know, gets to get, the,
0: get those cries well, out. Yeah, so let me, let me ask you, so like yeah. when you think of a movie like that, it, what, what's your goal with this movie? Is is it to try to get rid of the loneliness? Is it to try to understand the loneliness and like kind of wallow in it a little bit? Like what is, what is the headspace you're trying to get into?
2: See, this is where I'm different. This is where me and my wife differ. I think that where her mind often goes, I think she absolutely loves a good cathartic movie. And P.S. if you hear like grinding in the background, like zh, 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 just know that like they they are building a it's god- the orthodontist well, this, yeah I'm in an orthodontist office no they're building a goddamn like where cu- they built a cube smart across from my home, and now they are putting i think it's some sort of parking structure I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of tin roofing happening there's like a lot of drilling um you know so it's it's kind of bull uh but just know that know that that's what that is um but uh on top of that, um all this to say. I, I think Sarah, Sarah, if you were to ask her, she definitely has movies that like are cathartic. Like sometimes when she's really stressed, she just wants to watch like a good horror movie and just like s- scream it out and laugh it out and all that stuff. But I also think as this quarantine went deeper, I think that she found herself in a place of like, I, you know, wanting to, or needing to watch these movies that were just like kind and like made her feel good about life and all this stuff. I'm kind of in the middle. I want to see a character who I can relate to in the moment. That's, I think, what does – has always done something for me is like a character who's maybe feeling what I feel. And whether or not they find a resolution to that, I think that just watching them experience it is helpful for me to get some sort of closure.
0: Or- so it's it's related – I mean do you, do you think part of that is not acting like they're there with you but using that human presence like to, to- – Yeah,
2: I think – well, cause I mean, what is, what is a good, you know, what is a good story, but a, but a, 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 right.
0: a portal for us,
2: to, like look at ourselves and be like, what would I have, what would I do in those situations? And sometimes you see somebody who's the best of you. And sometimes you see somebody who's the worst of you and you know, it is what it is, but I just, yeah, for me, I'm like, I need to see someone in a similar
0: position. Um, and that helps me. Is that the same? I mean, what are you on the same wavelength Yeah. It's pretty similar to, cause I, I thought about it for a while and I had a couple of choices picked out and I realized kind of, you know, I want to see, yeah, I want to see somebody in the position I'm in and, and kind of relate to it. Kind of, you know, not, not specifically like somebody who's sitting at home while their wife is gone, but somebody, I, I I was drawn towards movies about isolation and drawn towards movies about, you know, struggles with, with the self and just being okay in empty space. And, uh, you know, films that projected that out into something into, into a set piece or, you know, a time period or something that, that, Represents, you know, isolation that represents loneliness that you know, kind of that hollow echo. How do you visualize the hollow echo of loneliness? You know? It's so <laughs> like, funny because as, as you talk
2: about this, I feel like there's a 90 or not even, I'd say 80% chance that we might have chosen
0: the same film. Um, you think so? I think we might- I would be, I would be, I would be both very surprised and not really surprised, not surprised, at, surprised all. at all. I well, I mean, so let me ask you this Do you think that there is an
2: era of filmmaking that has captured this feeling? Better,
0: do you think that mod- like a lot of modern films, deal with what you're describing? I think a lot of modern films that we've never seen probably do because I it, low budget filmmaking is ripe with this kind of stuff yes. because you need very few actors and very few set pieces, right? It's kind of a, the challenge of with, with no money. How do you make something? Um, and that's kind of how I made my feature back in the day. You know, it was like we don't have a lot of money, we have one location. How do we do this? <laughs> yeah. How do we just make something? And, and then what comes out the other end? So I think a lot of low budget filmmaking. I mean, from from the seventies onward, there's not too much indie filmmaking going on before before then, or at least nothing that you know was super widespread. But I think you do see a lot of it, and 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 a lot of it always see. I see, I watch movies like this. And my first thought is like, this should be on a stage, right? Like movies like this usually can end up on a stage also.
2: It's so funny that you say that because I actually was thinking, I was going through my head, racking my brain, you know, loneliness and longing are very hard. to I was like, I was trying to think of like a Broadway play or a Broadway musical that I have seen that does that, that captures that essence. And there are Broadway, I think there's a lot of musicals that might flirt with that theme um and please by the way if you have any Broadway musicals that you think flirt with this theme tweet at us at Little Justice Pod let us know Ooh, if you if, plug, you if you if you thank plug. you thank you plugging Little Justice One of the things I was thinking about it's it's how hard it is to capture loneliness on stage I mean the entire concept of stage film is a visual medium stage is an auditory medium we're going to hear it before we see it necessarily like that's why you you deal with a lot broader colors and on stage and a lot, you know, because it's, it really is about the, the ear first. And then the visual, the visual, the nuance of the visual can kind of seep in. Whereas on, on film, you know, it really, that, that visual can be, can tell you the entire story, but on stage with loneliness, you have an, this open space and it should be this thing that like, I would really love to see. And maybe, maybe this is my next, my next script or something, but like, I would love to capture a, uh, loneliness on stage i just think that that's that's a well, I mean, really this
0: this stage is a lonely place though it's if with one person in the middle of a stage with a giant dark space around them in a spotlight like that that's a pretty i feel like you can, can communicate a lot you just have to be trusting of your audience that they're going to pick up on it right you you can't like try to broadcast and dialogue the what you're trying to get across like it's it'd be very personal to the space that you perform this thing in yeah but i think even in like a black box theater if you got really creative and you had a good a good script with a good arc you know that that had a, a story that could carry um and it, it'd probably be some it'd probably be like a one-man monologue See, show, I, was, but I think you could do it
2: so i there was a dennis o'hare did a an amazing one-man show called or one person show i should say because women have performances as well called the iliad um, or an Iliad is what it was called. And it's literally the story of the Odyssey, um, and Odysseus's journey back home, but as, but, but told by, like they would have told it in the actual times by one storyteller, um, and, and very much captures kind of a modern spin on what those, what it would have felt like to sit down with a storyteller and have him or her tell you this tale. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not just like, you know, him acting as Odysseus. It's, it's him really communicating with you and throwing all sorts of examples around and, and funny. And, but it's, I mean, it's very amazing. It's a very athletic performance and script to read and performance to watch. Hmm. Um, and I'd always, the, the idea that I was, I, I'd always had that I might, I might, um, I might play with. Cause honestly, and the more I think about it, I'm like that actually be a great script to write during this time. Um, I always wanted to try writing like a, a version some sort of epic story told by one person, um, but told, told to themselves during uh, Hurricane Katrina. Like they're trapped in an attic in New Orleans during this hurricane. And how, like very much like almost like a castaway on stage. Like how mm-hmm. do you amuse yourself when you're alone? Yeah. How do you keep that, that fire going in yourself when you're alone? And totally. like hearing the wind outside and knowing that there's water and the floorboards underneath, but you have to make this thing happen for yourself, you right? Know? I just, I'd, I'd watch that. Oh, I'd watch it too. I mean, I'd I, watch that. I'd watch the, I'd honestly watch the movie version of that. I wouldn't. The movie would be a, I think you'd have to either do it as a short or like a really tight ninety minutes, one hundred and twenty-seven hours, to, dude.
0: In Hurricane Katrina, in Hurricane
2: Katrina, but I think, I think you could do it. I think it could be a really fascinating
0: story. I think so. A, a good, a good friend of of mine who I want to bring on the show eventually Which one is he's he's great uh larry cedar oh
1: the character actor
0: yeah. larry cedar uh he's a phenomenal actor he's been working since the 70s probably 70s or 80s he's been you know you, you'd you recognize him as yeah song. If,
2: if any of you are deadwood fans as i am he deadwood
0: yes he's leon the, yeah, the opium dealer yes, on deadwood um so larry uh over the past couple of years he stages He writes and stages, one man shows based on literature. I love that. So he's done Dostoevsky's Notes from Underground. He did a compilation of George Orwell's novels and he does them all by himself, just costume changes and bare props and basically takes the narration and digests it as like, uh, you know, uh, an onstage narrator as the character. He like inhabits the character and tells the story. Um, but doesn't have the book obviously. So he, he's like, how do you, how do you tell this to a book narration, something being written down, talk to you? Like, how do you, how do you broadcast the whole story? And then, uh, I've shot and recorded a couple of them. They're really, I'm sure you can find them online somewhere. I think he's posted them. Um, it's, it's fascinating watching, watching story work for an hour and a half with just one person. <laughs> And the worlds you can build or not build, um, just based on what you say and the the movements that you make, it's it's fascinating.
2: No, and, and, and like if you have an actor like a Larry Cedar or like like a, like a Denis O'Hare or anybody who's just, you know, I mean people who really just know how to command the stage. Yeah. I mean, a one-person show or even a one-person movie. Robert Redford did that incredible, uh, movie, um, where. Oh yeah, ooh, uh, all is lost. All is lost. And I mean, it was just him out. There. I mean, and 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 no words really. I don't remember any words in all his life.
0: And the the director J C Chandor is is phenomenally talented. Yes. I had a chance to meet him when his first movie Margin Call came out. I remember talking. Oh to my god, god down, Margin down Call, down to earth dude, and dude. all this stuff. But like somebody who just really understands tone. Margin Call is so good. So, and
2: it's. I mean, he really is low key. I mean, looking at that, looking at Margin Call, and what was the one that he just had? on Netflix's past summer with um it was like Oscar Isaac Ben Affleck it was like like a back to back to old woods yeah it film. was
0: it was a few it was a few years ago now was it oh uh, my god i think it was called a most violent year most, 2014 most violent year no well that okay no that was one but no he also had oh he
2: did triple frontier he did triple frontier that was 2019. Oh, yes, did. I didn't know that was him. Is yes, that good? It was, you know what? It was, I will say. The cast is phenomenal. The, the cast was phenomenal. Ben Affleck, like it was, it was, again, I think, I really do think that Ben Affleck gets the short end of the stick because he really is a solid actor, especially when you put him in the right role. I think that, I think there was some, there, there was just like some pacing things that got to me. But yeah. like, ton, but again, tonally, it was like right on the mark and the performances were great and the tension was great. Um, really just like a throwback to like those old school, you know, yeah. like, you know, uh, movies with like, you know,
0: guys on the heist, um, bunch of commandos being. You know, s- speaking of recent auteurs and movies about isolation and loneliness, uh, in the complete opposite direction of something like All is Lost that's very big and visual, um, have you seen uh, Ghost Story? no do i need to ghost story is a film by david lowry sarah
2: has wanted me to see this for so long yes
0: it's it's he so david lowry had had directed uh ain't them Bodies saints which was kind of like a like a cult indie hit and off of that he got hired to he went and somehow you go from ain't those body saints to pete's dragon i love it a disney film Obviously. he like flew across the world to film pete's dragon in new zealand or something um, and he got so kind of like exhausted from that. He had this idea for, for a film called ghost story. Um, and all he wanted to do was do it to like, to just get over a giant Disney production, right. To just like with his friends go off and make a super low budget. The budget's like a hundred thousand dollars. Um, all the actors just kind of working on whatever. And it is, it's shot in one, one aspect ratio, you know, with like a 16 millimeter camera, uh, about a guy, you know, a couple and the guy dies in a car accident and gets stuck you know he he becomes a ghost basically just a dude with a sheet over his head and it's very like existential philosophical you know he he gets stuck in the house as the woman you know she moves out and moves on with her life and he stays there and you know, through the next people who move in and the house gets demolished and then it becomes a city in the future. And it like and he just wanders and, and it's it's haunting. It's so it's so good. And it's not at all connected to Ain't them body saints, right? Because the same actors I don't I don't believe so, okay. no. No, they were just his friends that's all because they'd made it and they're like, hey, let's I have this idea. He didn't even have a script when they went to make it. He was kind of writing it as they went. Um, a lot of the is just kind of improvised it, it's very moody it's not like a oh let 's sit down and be entertained by this it's like no let's sit down and let 's sit down and watch this thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and Rudy Mara eats an entire pie in one go in one shot it's pretty insane. I love
2: that. I think that's I mean look
0: again, when you you know I think experimentation,
2: especially in film, is something that can only yield.
0: You know, oh my interesting
2: God. results. It's yielded theory. bad
0: things, it's but it also has yielded very good things.
2: Very good things. So I'm I'm in. I'm in, I'm always in for some experiment. But, you know, I think, yeah, I think tone is a huge, if you're talking about movies that like, you know, are like lonely movies, tone is a huge part. And that's why when I'm, when I'm thinking about the film that I chose today, tonally it is actually, like it's, it's. Oh, I'm so curious. Oh, it's, I think you, I mean, I think you will know it as soon as I start talking about it. I know we always say that. We say that every time but i really this is a, this is a film that like only in rewatching it did i realize how many of my favorite archetypes and scenarios come from this film and i really think that it captures lone like that just that feeling of neutral and stuck and yeah. you know uh, really really well uh, you want you want to dive into it? Yeah, let's dive into it. You you start this time. I'll start. I'll start. Okay, so my movie opens. On a map. On a map of the known world. It's black and white. Some music. Some really triumphant studio music like we haven't heard in 70 years. And uh, then there's some narration just talking about uh, the state of things. We chose the same movie. Did we? <laughs> yeah. I know we did. I knew we did. Because it's, it really is. I can't believe it. It's the best movie. I mean, when you're thinking about those feelings, dude, it's the best movie. It's the best movie. And the, and, and the best part that I love is, one thing, you know, you talk about loneliness. You are literally introduced to your hero maybe 15 minutes in. And before that, you're seeing all these people talk. I mean, so, you know, it, it, to continue the description, um, you, you open on, you don't what know if it's an island. You know, I mean, you know World it's a place, War. it's a neutral ground, but is you're here. you hear? Oh, my God.
0: We didn't choose the same you, movie. What? We didn't? <gasps> oh. Flip. flip. We did. Same, same opening. Same opening, but different movie. Different movie.
2: Interesting. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna describe. I'm gonna continue to describe my movie. Do you know? Wow. Do, you, do you know what my movie is though? Uh, keep going. I mean, you do. I know you do because everyone does. Um, so we open, like I said, uh, open on a map, and then go to some narration of you hearing about the world. The world is uh, on the brink of war, um, or in the midst of war, and there's one neutral ground uh, kind of like a, a limbo where people who are trying to get out of this country um, can go uh, as they're awaiting their their, their their ticket out okay and uh, you open on this town and you hear that there's like somebody comes over a radio and you're in like kind of a, a soldier's place and they're like please be warned two uh, German perpetrators are are out and about uh, you know trying to trying to do something and you know you follow. Them And then you see these guys, you see like this, this, you know, one of the, one of the police officers on the street that like, comes up to this couple He's like, please be careful. There's somebody going around and he's, you know, and then one of the guys that like he did talking about bolts, right? He runs off and they, they run to the streets, they capture him. And then another couple is watching this guy being captured, like, oh my God, what is going on over there? And they're like two vacationers. And this guy's like, hey, listen, you got to be really careful around here. There's a lot of crazy things going on. You don't know who to trust. You know what I mean? The couple's like, oh my God, well, thank you. Thank you, good man. Thank you. Thank you. And the man pats, pats the gentleman of the couple on the back. He's like, "You're welcome. don't even worry about it. He leaves. And then the gentleman, they're sitting at a, ca- a coffee table. The waiter comes over. He goes to the couple, goes to uh, the man of the couple, goes to pay his check. And he's, oh my God, my wallet's missing. Oh, stop him. Stop that thief. And they, they run after the thief. And you realize through all of this, you are in a place called Casablanca.
1: On who do you think? I know there is gambling in there. There is no secret. You dare not keep me out of here. Yes, what's the trouble? Uh, these gentlemen... I have been in every gambling room between Honolulu and Berlin. And if you think I'm going to be kept out of a saloon like this, you are very much mistaken. Uh, excuse me, please. Oh, yeah? you? Your cash is good at the bar. What? Do you know who I am? I do. You're lucky the bar is open to you.
2: This is
0: outrageous! I shall report it to the angry. Ah, Casablanca, la 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 la. Um, it's been so long since I've seen so, that. So let me
2: let me tell you. So me and Sarah watched it. So there was this. Used to be a couple of years back. I mean, still in existence. Uh, rooftop Cinema Club was an amazing. Uh, this really cool thing uh, where you could watch it exactly like the title says. It's cinema on a rooftop, <laughs> and you watch it and like they set up these giant screens and you put headphones on and they, you could get like specialty seats where you could sit with your popcorn and, and like, it actually could be a really cool thing to do in us, um, yeah. you know, in these times, um, you know, but it's, it's just a really great kind of thing. You can watch the, the movies with the sunset in the background. And this was one of the ones that we, that I took her to and she had never seen it. She found it. She, I think she found it a little boring and like by today's standards, it definitely is like it's not it's not a movie that's like going to
0: grab it's, it's funny like i wasn't even thinking about like you so rarely go for any movie before even like 1985 i know i was stretching, <laughs> that, like, I, was stretching. I was stretching i'm that. not at all thinking like oh maybe it's maybe it's a classic film uh, oh like, yeah i know well that's and that's nope. what, well
2: and i realized like so many you know rick as a character humphrey bogart the the late, great humphrey bogart as rick is um just, you know, he, I mean, watching him, you know, I'm in the middle of writing a new script right now. And like the biggest thing that I, you know, this was a commission and and the biggest thing I wanted to add to the script was like grit. So my central character is literally like Dr. House. Like I just, I just stole, like, I just steal like that, that idea of somebody who's like just an asshole in the mid, but like has a good, like has a heart of gold, Mm -hmm. but like is, you know, is never going to let you know it. And that is that all to me started with the Humphrey Bogart and his, and yeah. his his characterizations. Um, Maltese Falcon, it's very similar thing, but and, but this or
0: one that just the generational male, yeah, nineteen <laughs> forties, 19- like very like you know miso- misogynistic with a heart of gold kind of thing, and it's and and
2: and like again, you know, lose the misogyny, but keep but keep the asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think I think that there's such a cool. Thing and and what I, you know, if you're talking about a movie that deals with loneliness, right, the, the kind of the whole point of this movie mm-hmm. is regret. Like, that's what so much of this movie is about is about the life that you could have led. Why did you come back to tell me why you ran out on me
1: at the railway station? Yes, well, you can tell me now.
2: I'm reasonably sober.
1: I don't think I will, Rick.
2: And and these people are, you know, so he Rick is kind of the ultimate you know dealer right like he is in charge of this of this of rick's bar in in this in this you know island or in this neutral ground he is friends with the nazis and, and not friends with nazis he's cool with the nazis he's cool with the common folk he's cool with the elite like everyone loves rick because rick doesn't take sides rick is like rick is just in the middle he's not gonna hurt anyone he's just trying to make his money and surf his drinks and whatever Do you know mm-hmm. what i mean he has a dark dark past And that dark past on one night comes back um, to haunt him, and um, this woman from his past needs help getting her new love uh, 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 documents to get out of Casablanca. And Rick is flooded in this brilliant scene. He's flooded with memories of their relationship.
1: It's strange. I know so very little about you. I know very little about you. Just the fact that you had your teeth straightened. <laughs> well, be serious, darling. You are in danger. and You must leave Paris. No, no, no. no. We must leave. Yes, of course. We. Now The train for Marseille leaves at 5 o'clock. I'll pick you up at your hotel at 4.30. No. No, not at my hotel. I, I... I have things to do in the city before I leave. I'll meet you at the station. All right. At a quarter to five. Say, <laughs> so why don't we get
2: married, Marseille? <laughs> uh,
1: that's too far ahead to
2: plan. You know, for the first 30 minutes of this film, you've seen him as such like a dark and brooding individual. And then you just see him in this like light and airy place. And he's so happy to be with this woman. And then we go back and... Boss. Yeah? Boss, aren't you going to bed? Not right now. Ain't you
1: planning on going to bed in the near future? No. You ever going to bed? No. Well, I ain't sleepy either. Good. And have a drink. No, not me, boss. I'll I'll have a drink. Boss, let's get out of here. No, sir. I'm waiting for a lady. Please, boss, let's go. Ain't nothing but trouble for you, here. She's coming back. I know she's coming back. We'll take the car and drive all night. We'll get drunk. We'll go fishing and stay away until she's gone. Get up and go home, will you? No, sir. I'm staying right here.
2: And it's just such a simple performance. Like I think that's what makes it so beautiful, is it really is just a man drowning himself in booze, lamenting this life.
0: And so is, so is this what happens? So your wife goes out of town and you're, you're finally on your own for the first time and who knows how long and your your inclination is to drown yourself in booze and lament? Um, not exactly, but like also <laughs> not far off. Like I will
2: say, I had an experience last night where uh, like I, one of my friends was going to have a rooftop party and like <laughs> we were all expo- going to go I posted on a post about this on my Instagram. Yes. <laughs> but like, I was like, cool. Like, let's go out. Like, I'm going to go out and like see some people. I made a chicken ratatouille. It's freaking delicious. I like got in a lift, got, went down to his friend's house, found out this party was not to that night, but was in five nights from now. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And it just, the loneliness just struck in harder than ever. And I literally went to like my local artisan beer shop and like got three cans of like ah. mulberry sour and just drank. And I absolutely felt like Rick. <laughs> like, like I very much <laughs> felt felt like Rick. And it's you know it's it's just like this. It's this very strange. You know, you're. I think what Casablanca definitely ca- captures for that character is when you build those walls around yourself, those defenses, right? That Rick has built up um you are so alone with your thoughts yeah. and and that is really the the mind that's trapping you and i think i think the brilliance of casablanca is like he by the end he gains a friend like this the shifty the shifty uh it's he i forget if he's french but the police officer who um mm. always you know who, who's like kind of his confidant but also his greatest enemy like Becomes kind of his friend like, you know, what I mean, they're both stuck on this on this terrible place in this terrible place together as his as his love flies off. But I, th- I, I so I think it's I think that by the end of it, he's able to come to terms with where he's at and where she needs to be and doing the right thing, you know, and that it's a very it's a very right. bittersweet ending. Um, but
0: it really, yeah, especially for right now. Yeah, there, there's like an ache to it. right? Yeah. it's like an aching or a longing. Absolutely, an the, ache. The feeling of it, and I, I love the setting of Casablanca in terms of what it is like. And and in talking about translating things to stage, like it has a very, it has a very stagey feel. This this kind of way station, right between two places, it's such a ripe playground for things like people. Trying to get through, and it's it's kind of this this medium space, oh, it's yeah. pur- purgatory between places in the midst of this giant war. Um, it's just so is so ripe, like you don't really need to do much with it for it to feel a certain way. No,
2: and I mean, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think it actually is based on a play. I'm pretty sure that it's everybody comes to Rick's. It was I don't know if it was ever produced, but I think it was it was definitely based on a play. Interesting, it makes sense, and it, yeah, it makes complete sense because and I and I love. I mean, I. I love one, one location, you know, like things that like center around a central location. I love mm-hmm. stories like that. I, th- I mean, yes, it's fair. it's a very theatrical conceit because yeah. in theater you have one unit set and it's the, all of a sudden the cheapest play to produce in the world. But it's also just that, you know, I think when you have, when the setting is just one thing, what do you focus on but the characters? Yeah. And, and Casablanca right. is full of hugely memorable characters on. Both, you know, both the villainous side and the heroic side, all the people who are trying to get free, you know, they just break your heart. There's that one moment when they stand up and they sing their national anthem and, and, you know, and it's just and you're just watching these people just stand in defiance of the Nazi regime. And you're like, hell yeah, like, go for it yeah man so yeah it was it was
0: truly I like that yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those movies it's like you know all the famous scene you played against Sam and frankly my dear I don't give a damn all that kind of stuff well that's just because you can't frankly my, my dear God. I don't give a damn is uh, Gone with the Wind
2: that's Frank. No. frankly
0: Miss Scarlet I don't give a damn wait what's the um this is uh here's looking at you what's the one here's at the, here's the end here's, here's looking at you here's looking at you kid when I said I would never
1: leave you and you never will but I've got a job to do too where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. No, no.
0: He's
1: looking at you, kid.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: One, of those, one of those things. <laughs> Could you see, not? This, this shows my... <laughs> you got to watch this again, bro. you got to watch right. it. The end, she's okay yeah i really do i really i mean so you go through like I, I feel like i've watched all the citizen kane i've probably seen twice oh, but yeah. all the other classics i've seen once <laughs> where like i don't yeah i get it, um, <laughs> like, I, get it. I, I never i never have the you know because in, in film school you're, you're looking at the individual scenes yeah the like still frames the like you're reading the scripts and all this stuff but like you never go watch them for fun <laughs> oh, never, no like, no 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 um Not except in this case uh that's an interesting perspective on, on Casablanca.
2: Also, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now. I'm I am shocked that Peter Lorre was not a first build actor for this movie. Peter Lorre. Oh my god, Peter, I love Peter Lorre so much.
0: So good.
2: Talking about character actors. Oh my god, he's
0: he's the original. He's the character guy. actor.
2: He is in one of my favorites. So he, I, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Here's Tarantino again. We brought him up. We did it. There he is. Ding, Ding 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 ding. ding, 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 ding. Um, Quentin Tarantino, his entry into the Four Rooms anthology film, um, was called The Man from Hollywood, which was based on The Man from the South, uh, by Roald Dahl, short story by Roald Dahl. And in the, I think it's like a Twilight Zone episode based on that short story, Peter Laurie plays the guy who is cutting off the fingers and it's, he is so creepy and so good. And it's the same thing. Like, he's just such a weird,
0: interesting texture. And you're just like, who...
2: Who are pies. you? Yeah, like, and
0: I, I remember because uh, the the genie does the imitation in yeah, Aladdin. Yes, yeah. of him it was my first introduction to like him as a, and and I think Vincent Price has the same kind of thing. Oh, yeah, Vincent. It's like that from that era, just like the character, the real characters from that that era. Yeah,
2: people who are literally there to fill out your film and and give it yeah. like that that weird
0: feel. Right.
2: Um, you know, yes, yes, and it's. I mean, also very indicative of the time when, like, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a big-eyed foreigner is like your ultimate. Villain. I'm
0: sure that Peter Laurie has played one of every single race. Oh yeah, film. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> kind of I'm ridiculous. sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, man. But yeah, that's my that's my pick. Is is Google. cool, cool. Copy yeah, no, that. I I like that. I like that a lot. It, it's interesting because my pick, as I think about it thematically these films are very very similar we chose them for for the same reasons okay um they could not be more different but they are a a main character in in one location uh dealing with themselves you'll know it it'll throw you back we open on the world (laughs) and a narrator Uh, of course yeah as you say, uh, this time it's talking about, it's a newscast, it's an advertisement, it's a promotion. We're flashing through pictures of climate change, right? Gas being leaked into the atmosphere, ocean rising, cities, you know, using electricity. Yeah, as yeah, cities yeah. Tend to do. Uh, and then they're talking about the solution, but we figured out how, the solution. And we cut to yep. grass in the desert, and we cut to children laughing on a playground, and um, and then we finally cut to the moon. I knew it. Yeah, you love this movie. You do love it. I love this movie. The promotion ends. We go up to the moon. Where one man, there's one man, Sam Bell, uh, who works on a space station by himself um, on the moon, basically just managing the helium harvesters. Yeah, the film is moon. (laughs) Bertie, have you heard anything new about anyone fixing lunar sap?
1: No, Sam. What I understand is it's fairly low on the company's priority list right now. You tell them to sort that out. You know what I'm talking about? That's not...
2: (laughs) I've only got two weeks, but it's not fair to whoever's coming up here next. I will, Sam. Do you want me to finish cutting your hair later? Nah, come on, let's finish this. I feel similar about Kevin Spacey's performance as Gertie in Moon that I do about Alan Rickman's performance in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, you know, when you have a voiceover like this and you're never gonna be seen, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you, you don't, you know, it, it can very easily, it could very easily become wrote. Well, like as much as I love Paul Bettany as Vision in, in the Marvel movies, him as Jarvis, like, right. right. I mean, it's fine. It's fine, but it's not anything memorable. But like, oh, yeah. when you have, and this is, I was going to ask you, you know, watching this now with everything that we, that's come out about Casey.
0: Yes. There are several things watching it now. So Moon is a film. It came out in 2009. The director uh, is Duncan Jones. It was his first feature. Um, he is better known as, as uh, Ziggy Bowie, Zoe Bowie, uh, David Bowie's son. There you go. Just for some background, star Sam Rockwell. He later finds out in the film he's on the moon by himself. Uh, he gets into an accident and wakes up back at the base, then goes and finds himself in the rover where he had the accident. Turns out they're all clones being kept to operate the base, and then they basically just get replaced one after the other, and he figures this out and tries to get off the station. When it came out in 2009, where this was like junior year college, whatever, it, it, conceptually, right, there hadn't been a movie like this in a very long time. No. Yeah. um, And and you read any interview about it, and it's very, very directly related to Alien and to outland the Sean Connery movie um, and and all these like science fiction epics that are, are heady in their philosophy. Yep. Right. And at the time I thought, okay, like this is deep. This is good filmmaking. (laughs) This is solid. Like uh, this is interesting. This is what more people should be doing is attempting to this, you know, this is a great performance, which it is. All of these things, I, I kind of elevated it in my mind. Yeah, it's interesting watching it now. The perspective I have on it, how much it's changed, and that has has not even that much to do with Kevin Spacey, who plays the the AI, uh, his AI friend, who you know the computer who rolls around the space station, and everything we've learned about Kevin Spacey recently. Like, yeah, it's it's weird, but the character is super super flat. Uh, yeah. They hired Kevin Spacey after they'd already like shot the movie, basically, and they showed him it, and he was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. The budget was super low, and so it, it didn't really bother me yeah. hearing him there. What bothered me is when you stop and think about how much ripe potential there is in this scenario for character for story for exploration how little they do with it mm. like it's literally the whole movie the 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 whole movie banks on you being surprised by finding out he's a clone mm. and then just being in, invested enough at that point to follow these characters to the conclusion and it doesn't take that like i would love to see this movie and i think it would really really translate to stage this is a movie about a guy who is all alone and is forced to confront himself. Yes. Like, it doesn't get much better than this. Like, on on a space station straight out of Alien. Yes. Like, this is the perfect environment for fantastic thematic visual character storytelling. Like, this is a playground for people like me. And I... Watched it through again this morning, and I'm, I was disappointed in how little it did with what it had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, but it was,
2: I remember even watching, like, and again, this is not a, this is not a put down of it, because it is, there's, there's so many moments in the film that are lovely, but even watching it when we, when we used to watch it um, back, you know, back in school, like, I'll put it like this. There will be blood as much as it is a film made by a filmmaker who loves making films for film people. It's also a movie that has tremendous weight and, and like and depth. Yeah. Moon does not quite
0: sit with me in the same way. Moon does not have. Yeah. The depth. It doesn't have the depth. Moon- moon has style over substance and it's pretty limited in style and granted and
2: what I will say is when you put Sam Rockwell at the center of your film do you know what I mean like that is a man if there was ever an actor who could carry a 95 minute movie of this context it's Sam Rockwell did
1: you find your secret room
2: just put that anywhere
1: oh, that's a good idea that's where, that's where, that's where I keep my leprechauns Get out of the way What? Why? I want to look underneath that model. You're not touching this model. Get the fuck out of the way. Listen, why don't you relax, okay? Why don't you take a pill, bake a cake, go read the encyclopedia. You're a tough guy now. What, are you going to stab me? No, I'm a peaceful warrior. I'm, I'm a lover, I'm not a fighter. The knife down. Hey, I, I want to look just... underneath there. Put the knife down. No, I'm not going to you know, give I'm you the knife. Let's get out of the way. I'm take like, it easy. because go with a knife. Don't ever tell me what to do. At the
0: time, there hadn't like the fact that it was Sam Rockwell acting against it, like a whole movie with one actor being split in two, which has been you know beaten to death by this point. Yeah. Um. At At the time, was was something to take note. Oh on. yeah. And and it, and it gave Duncan Jones a whole career. And you know this film and
2: and and, and it was you know it's it talk about indie films like this was. You know, Sam Rockwell had not. You know, yes, he'd had many, many parts, but like, we didn't know him as the Sam Rockwell that we know today yet. Do you know what I mean we, right. we knew like we knew him as this as theater Sam Rockwell from Labyrinth, Labyrinth Theater Company? We knew him as like New York stage Sam Rockwell, but it wasn't like this. And so, so this was definitely like, ooh, your favorite the actor favorite indie sci-fi.
0: And I think it's the style that I'm talking about, which is why I chose it. It's what. Cause in my head, I'm thinking, okay, like if I'm by myself and I'm thinking by myself and I just kind of want like a meditative slow movie about a guy, you know, with, with good music and you know, it's not going to be challenging. I'll watch it all the way through. Cause you know, if your wife's gone, she's also probably texting you at the same time. So you don't want to have to like engage too hard. Yeah. This one was wife approved. (laughs) Wife. She said I was (laughs) wife approved, which even I, I, I told her this story. Um, Cause you can't do any once you, once you're married, uh, there is no more just you, right? Any decision you make, anything you do, there's, there's no more just you. There's a story about James Cameron when he was doing, um, his trip to the bottom of the Mariana trench and making a a film about it and all that. He wanted to be the first person down to the deepest part of the ocean. And he did it. He was in his submersible and they lowered him further than anybody's ever been before. And he touched the bottom of the lowest part of the ocean, uh, and got a phone call from his wife. (laughs) And, and, so look at that, let that be a lesson that you can be further away than anyone's ever been from humanity. And, and she'll find you, she'll find you because that's, that is the deal that you made. That's the deal.
2: That's the problem.
0: And, and it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing.
2: Uh-huh. Listen, I also, let can we just at some point, not even now, just break down the psychology of James Cameron wanting
0: to go to the bottom of the Mariana's trench. I just James Cameron and water just, in general. Just James Cameron yeah. in general. I just want to know. I just, I, the, yeah. The best behind the scenes feature that there is out there is like a three hour look at the making of the Abyss. I was about, oh, well. if, you if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube and the quality is terrible, but it is this man is obsessed with with the ocean. He got Titanic made. Uh, the reason he says he wanted to make Titanic was because the studio would pay for him to dive no, to the Titanic. Let's be clear he is Bill Paxton's character in he Titanic. Is. absolutely
2: and 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 that whole idea of like i never got it never let it in he still didn't let it in number one still
0: he still has let nothing in number two as avatar 2 comes out after 15 years 15 years and my (laughs)
2: proof my further proof of this is another documentary if you go on disney plus there's the making of titanic it's like a national geographic like it's both the making of the movie titanic and like revisiting the titanic you know uh however many years after it would the movie was made And you literally, this is a documentary that that was EP'd by James Cameron at the end of, or I'd say probably the last quarter of which is interspersed with like the ancestors of survivors of the Titanic coming forward to Mr. Cameron and saying, we just want to thank you for your work about keeping our story alive. This is a, a movie that he this thrilled. is a
0: humble man. This is a humble, <laughs> is humble man. Really humble. Have, have, have you watched the the Kevin Hart documentary he made about himself? I refuse. There's a Kevin Hart. Kev- Kevin Hart, the comedian, made a documentary about himself with his company, his own camera team, uh, a feature length documentary, you know, and, and he was publicizing you know, like get ready like this is my story raw and uncut and all this stuff and He has controversy, right? Things that he said and he had to step down from the Oscars and all this stuff. Uh, He made some tweets. Um, You'd think, okay, this is going to be like basically like an explanation for that, right? This movie, if you liked him before or had no thoughts about him before, you will walk away from this documentary hating this man. Wow. I have not been able to stomach a Kevin Hart anything since I watched his documentary that he made about himself. Because it basically it's it's a non apology for every single thing, and just shows you how he probably did mean all those things. Like you, he's pretty surface about who he is, right? You can't really hide uh, in that kind of like you know raw behind the scenes stuff. He's not acting; he's just being himself, and you see, oh, this this guy's full of himself. He th- you know, he's a complete narcissist and he absolutely believes the things that he says. Well, and see, he
2: here, here's what I question though. And this is, this is something for us to, as, as our careers continue, you know, not to say that we will ever get to Kevin Hart level or any of these people's level, but is that something, you know, I think about the celebrities that like, I really love and like look up to, and they are people who seem to be able to maintain beyond a performative uh, chill a just a sense of like understanding that like the world does not revolve around them and like and like because like here's what i will say as much as like if you guys follow the rock on instagram as much as this man is insane what i what i also will point out is that the rock actually makes a makes a huge point of like making a platform for Amer- like american people and giving back
0: and like He's he's genuine. He's genuine. He, he's a genuine human, and you and you get the sense that when the cameras stop rolling, he's still the same person that was there when they were.
2: Yeah, rolling. and and like it's all a manipulation, right? Because at that, when you're that big, you are truly, and especially now when like part of your business as that kind of celebrity seems to be making your life into your art, like your right. your brand is your art. Yeah. So like people want there's there is. There's the there's like the what you do on screen, and then there's the the life that you show people that you have, and there's there's what there's what's actually going on that that we shouldn't get to know about because that's your actual life, right? But even right. in the life that he shows us, I'm just like, you know what? Like you, there's a lot going on with you, Mr. Dwayne Johnson. But like you also, you seem like you're a chill dude, like you actually do, and like and you can tell that about a person. And anybody, here's I guess all I'm saying is this, I. I have no judgment on Kevin Hart. I think he's funny as hell. But I, no matter how big I get, Alex, the day that I decide to make a documentary about myself is the day when I want you to personally come
0: and put me down. And you have my full permission. Y- yes, sir. You've, I, you've been waiting for those words. See that, and that, and that's his thing is like, because you know he's sitting in a PR meeting and be like, okay, like what can we do? And the meetings are in the documentary, right? With his team, like what can our company do with this brand to enhance it and like, oh, we every you know, every every great artist has a documentary that they that has been made about them. No, like, they we don't. should tell people our story. It's like yeah, these people, if they if they do, they did not make it themselves. No. <laughs> and like I will say it's really, I think it's really cool that like
2: there is a behind the curtain so that you can understand how manufactured it But all it's right. not behind the curtain if
0: he is the one with the curtain. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that. Like. <laughs> I would agree with that. He's just showing you more stage behind his curtain. Yes, like, yes. Yes. And failing to do so, like the stuff he does let in, you know, he like, there's like footage of him like berating his friends on a plane because he gets drunk and like yells at his friend for like. He's like, I pay for everything and you don't have any respect, whatever, like getting mad at his friend for for kind of mooching off him, even though that's the arrangement, right? Yeah. Um, and then, it went, oh, I was really sorry I did that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but see, that's
2: why that's part of the reason why, like, as much as I love The Last Dance, I couldn't fully get behind it. Because yeah. it was such a like Jordan, the first shot is literally Jordan sitting in his like twenty foot windowed living room. Oh, yeah. You know, and like just smoking a cigar and like when I reflect upon my life and it's like, Jesus,
0: freaking Christ, Forrest, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, I like the last dance, not because I don't think it, it told me anything. It was just like the story the of the story team, is, which I only yeah. knew bits and pieces of, uh, you know, I didn't think it was it was great at breaking down who these guys were because it doesn't really matter. No, no. You know, I think I think they're all pretty public in their you know, who they are. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, but in terms of like documentary storytelling and use of, I mean, whoever, whatever team they had finding these clips and yeah. these pictures and the, oh my God.
2: But I just, you know, it it's, more... it's so funny that we talk about these movies, you know, from a, from a, even, even Moon, which is from 2009, you know, which is now a bygone era. Um, it's so funny how, how celebrity has changed and in the time, mm-hmm. you know, Humphrey Bogart you know, like part of the mystique of those movie stars of the forties was you didn't know too much about their life. Do you mean like you, like you, you only got glimpses. And so you would have like, you'd be like, Oh man, I I want to live like, like, you know, uh, Howard Hughes, because he's always, but you know, blah blah blah, 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 going to these parties and that's how you'd see him. You would never see the fact that this man was, you know, crippled by anxiety and all this stuff. Um, but now, all of that stuff. You, there's so much that you actually have not have to make public, but like can choose to make public that will boost your your status in the world. And you, in again, like this kind of performative public thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, back then too, you had you know, I'm sure tabloid manipulation was a thing, yeah. right? Like oh, placing yeah. celebrities at certain. It was just more of a, a craft that required a team of like people who knew what they were doing to try to build the public. You know. It's basically just convincing people of your life. So social media has taken that and, and given that power to basically everybody. Everybody. But um but like yeah, as a celebrity it's It's crazy. A whole other game. It's a whole yeah. other game. But you know, I think
2: I think you know, you know what Rick would say to that? What's that? He'd say, uh, "Frankly, my
0: dear, I don't give a damn."
2: No, Alec, that's not Well, you know what, sure. That's what Rick would Yeah, that's exactly what Rick would say. "Frankly, my dears, I don't give a damn." You know, he would be quoting a horribly racist movie uh. from Tenure. I gotta go back to film school. Yeah, you
0: really <laughs> some some actor from that was still alive from Gone with the Wind just died. Somebody was still alive who was in that movie. Seriously. Was it a, was yeah. a child in that let movie? Me, let me just Google yeah, it. Yeah, Google it up because uh it, it must have been one of the child be, actors. Yeah, it has to be a child. Um because um, good lord. Olivia de Havilland, last remaining Gone with the Wind actor who played Melanie Wilkes. Olivia. dies at 104. Wow. Good for you no, she's she's like a young woman. <gasps> she looks to be maybe somewhere between fourteen to seventeen. Incredible in Gone with the Wind. Incredible, one hundred and four, dude. What a life speed. got speed. What a life.
2: I that's I think, about like, if you've lived over a century, you are an automatic hero.
0: Oh, you got it.
2: You know, what I mean, you did it. You did the thing. So. I mean, good for you.
0: All right, well, so uh, Sarah, when's she coming back to you? How long you got to endure this? How yeah. many classic movies are you gonna have to watch? So many, so many. I mean, I'm I, theoretically I'm going out there,
2: you know, um, September first, so that will be f- f- what four or five weeks from now. But uh, we will see. We'll see what happens. But uh, you know, it's 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 crazy times. But these movies, as crazy always, time. get
0: us through.
2: Yes, yeah. so yes, uh, tweeted us.
0: Get get at us with your with your movie picks for it's okay if you don't have a wife or a husband yeah it's okay uh, this can be you know use your imagination yeah use your use your
2: use that brain power you know get in there use it but uh as always always a pleasure my friends
0: we'll see you next time